Well, if you brought a Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Romans, the sixth chapter. Fairly familiar passage, that's all right. We're going to be looking there together in a few moments, beginning at verse 15. I've grown accustomed through the years to having people share with me about their lives. And sometimes it's easy to enjoyable and sometimes it's difficult and painful, but I've kind of come to a, a, an understanding that, you know, it's one of those things. Sometimes I get to mourn with those who are sorrowing, but I also get the pleasure of rejoicing with those who are celebrating. It's not uncommon for people to tell me, pastor, I got a new job or I'm starting a new position next week. And usually that's an exciting thing because so many times it's something we've been praying about together because people have needed a job or they've been praying to get into a better situation, something that's a little bit more comfortable and, and maybe fits them a little bit better. And, you know, there are always other facts and other information. I don't ask about it because it's really none of my, my business. But it has become, you know, kind of one of those things I've gotten used to. People tell me, well, you know, hey, I'm getting better benefits with this job. Or, or you know, hey, it's a 10% increase over what I was making over here. And, you know, and I, I'm always kind of one of those things. I, I get excited for them because I love it when people are excited about what God's doing in their lives and his provision, the way he's working in their lives. But I also find myself sometimes troubled. Because we get so excited about economic advancement and financial improvement in our situation. And yet so often we fail to pay attention to the most important wages of all. Now, if you're familiar with Romans chapter 6, you know where I'm going already. Because in Romans chapter 6, we read about wages. I want us to think about the most important wages, the wages that are spoken of in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. But before we get to discussing those, I want us to see how Paul, in writing this letter, talks about human living and leads us up to this discussion on wages this morning. So if you've got your Bible open to Romans chapter 6, find verse 15. Once you've found that, you've got that place. If you can, Will, I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's holy word. Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 15, Paul repeats a phrase that he had used earlier in the chapter. He says, what then? Shall we sin because we are no longer under law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves, just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness. So now, offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. 
When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, before we go any further, I want you to focus back on verse 23. I want you to see this verse again. If you haven't ever paid attention to these words, I want you to pay close attention. In fact, I want you to pay such close attention, I just want you to read it with me. Would you join me in reading these words? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray now that as we spend these next few moments together, you would open our hearts, our minds, our eyes to the truth. Lord, help us to understand that this truth is valid for us and for every person we will ever come in contact with, every person we will ever lay eyes on, every person we will ever hear of or know of. Father, I pray that you would draw the lost to yourself that you would burden your children to share the truth. That you would begin to move in a mighty way in our midst. And Father, teach us what you would have us to know. But we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. When we are born into this life, we are born with a propensity to sin. It's just natural for us. We are natural born sinners. It's who we are because we are all the seed of Adam, a fallen man. We are all part of a fallen race. But when we are born again, when we come to life in Christ Jesus, everything changes. We still have that nature inside of us, but there's a conflict that now takes over because now we have been saved and called to righteousness. We have been given over to a new, bo a new boss, a new owner. And all of us get to choose how we will live. We are either going to choose to live under the control of sin and be paid accordingly, or we will choose to live in obedience under God's control and be paid with the gifts and that He offers as rewards. And I want us to consider this morning how this all unfolds, and it really is simple. I hope you'll keep your Bible open because here's how this is going to unfold. We're going to take one verse, the verse most of you knew from the beginning, chapter 6, Verse 23, the verse that we read together, I want us to look at this one verse and understand what it means. And if we're going to do that, the first thing that we have to do is understand what are the wages of sin. This verse simply says, the wages of sin is death. Now, I don't know how I can make this easier. I don't know how I can unpack this and make it any simpler. I, here's the reality. People want to wrestle with this because, well, you know what? I haven't given my life to Jesus. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm living life my way. I'm making my own decisions. I'm my own boss. I can have anything I want, do anything I want, be anyone I want, be anywhere I want, and I have no problem with that. I'm not dead. Oh, I beg to differ with you. 
you are dead. You just don't know it yet. Here's the reality. The wages of sin is death. Not every sin that we commit leads to an immediate moment of demise. The reality is that most of us live our lives committing sins every day, don't we? Oh, come on, be honest with me. I'm not the only person in here that's a daily sinner. I think all of us have this propensity to sin. It's a daily part of who we are and what we do. It accumulates in our life. Now listen, there are some sins that will lead to immediate death. There are things that people get involved in that put them in precarious situations that may cause this physical life to come to an end, whether that is through substance abuse, whether that is taking unnecessary risks. Whenever we begin to do things that are contrary to the Word of God, the commands of God, the law of God, we put ourselves at risk. But here's the other reality. Many of us never get involved in those things. We say, I'm good. No, you're not. You see, there are a lot of little things. This is one of those problems that we have as people. We tend to look at sins as big sins, little sins. God looks at sins and sees sins. All right? And even a lot of those little things that you think, well, you know, that's not so bad. People don't look down on that. They're not going to think less of me because I did that or, or I said that or I was involved in that. I want you to understand something. Even those little sins that you're talking about have the same consequences. Eventually, the cumulative effect is that it is going to destroy you. It may bring damage into your body. It may bring damage into your mind or into your heart, into your soul. But it will eventually destroy you. In fact, you're already dead. And I know some of y'all are looking at me and saying, you're crazy. I'm looking at you right now, and I'm breathing. I think I'm more alive than you are, old man. I want you to understand something. You're dead. Not because I say so, but because God's Word says so. Paul wrote extensively about this matter when he was talking about being dead in sin. In fact, he wrote to the brethren in Ephesus. He said, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. You're dead when you're in sin. He carried this thought further when he was writing to the believers in Colossae. And he said to them, when you were dead in your sins and in your sinful nature, God made you alive. You can't be made alive unless you're dead. You were dead in your sins. He made you alive. How did he do that? With Christ. How? He forgave us all our sins. See, here's what you got to understand when we talk about the wages of sin being death. Death is not just what happens when this body reaches its conclusion. When we are enveloped in sin, when we have given our lives, our hearts, our minds over to sin rather than the things of God, we become dead to the things of God. Now, I think when Paul was writing this, he grabbed the attention of his audience when he wrote about wages. I mean, everybody wants to talk about wages, right? I've never had anybody tell me, Pastor, Pastor, I got a new job. I have no idea what I'm going to make, but I took the job. Never heard that. Now, I have a lot of people tell me what they're going to make or, or tell me that it's substantially more than what they used to make or, or it's above minimum wage at least. And here's the reality. When you start talking about wages, you get people's attention. The problem is what Paul said here in Romans 6.23 is that the wages of sin is death. Sin kills. 
Listen, we're used to hearing about wages and, and, and contracts and hikes and deductions and demands and minimum wages and wages versus the cost of living. And everybody hears these things rolling around all the time. But I just want you to know, I think a lot of people are discussing wages and they really don't even know what they're discussing. They don't understand what it is they're dealing with. When we talk about wages, what we're talking about is compensation for services rendered. What is given in response to what one does. When I read this passage, not just that verse, but the passage we read starting at verse 15. Here's what I sense. Paul is talking about people who were living in sin. Now, he says they've been set free. They've been carried out of that. They've been made alive. But, but prior to that, the way he describes it, 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 it was a labor of, of, of drudgery. It was, it was a burden. It, it was like Satan is your employer. And sin is your job. And whenever payday comes, death. That, that's it. There's no joy, there's no life, there's no happiness, there's no great response to this. It's, it's a form of poverty. It's, it's poverty of the soul. It's poverty of hope. It's poverty of the future. It's poverty of joy. Anything that you would want that is good, that you pursue in life, it's gone. Why? Because sin kills. I know a lot of people say, you're, you're way off base here, preacher. You're way off base because, well... I don't belong to Jesus, and I can do anything I want. I can make my own decisions. I can be my own boss. I can serve myself, make myself happy. You're off base. There's no poverty involved in this. Let me just remind you of one thing, and it shapes everything about me, okay? I believe that this is the Word of God. I believe it is inspired. I believe that it is true from beginning to end, all right? And it says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 15, that the way of the treacherous is hard. You can deceive yourself into thinking you got everything under control, but I want you to understand something, friend. Everything's got you under control. You don't have control of anything. If you are living in sin and you have rejected Christ, you need to understand that the wages you're working for is death. You're dead to the things of God. Scripture is very clear. I, I could spend a whole lot of time on this. I'm not going to. I'm going to make three statements and I'm going to walk on because if I don't, we'll be here all day, okay? Let's talk about death. Genesis chapter 2 verse 17 tells us that there is a spiritual death. A spiritual death that comes because of the choice to sin to disobey God, to do what you choose rather than what he commands and directs. Now, all throughout Scripture, we see examples of that, but let me pinpoint this down into Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 because when you get to that place and you read, it talks about a physical death, that there is a physical price to be paid when we choose to dishonor God and do with our bodies that which our bodies are not designed to do. It begins to pay a call, a price tag out on us that we have to pay. But even though we've talked about spiritual death and physical death, Revelation 20 tells us that there is a second death. A second death. 
that follows the death of this body, this physical death. That second death, it tells us, is an eternal separation from God. We are cut off from Him. We are cut off from the things that He offers, the joy that He gives. And that's the reason I think Paul is so succinct in writing this 23rd verse. Go back and look at it with me again, will you? Romans chapter 6, verse 23. He said, for the wages of sin is death. Here's my favorite word in the verse. But... But that means there's more to come. That's not the end of the story. There is something more to be found here. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life. Now, I want you to understand that I want us to just focus in on that phrase for a minute. But the gift of God is eternal life. God's gift, life. Now, I want you to understand something this morning. If you didn't understand it when you came in, I hope you got it when you go out. God is the greatest giver of all, bar none. There is no one, there is nothing that gives more or gives better than God. What an amazing contrast there is here in this verse. Death, life. If you go back and you read God's book, At the very beginning, man chose sin. Man chose death. But here's how awesome our God is. Before the beginning, before time began, before the first man and the first woman were created, God, knowing what man would choose, had already chosen to be a holy God who would forgive and provide life even to those who chose death. Don't miss this. God is the great giver. He created the first man and gave him life. And when he saw what was lacking in his life, he created a woman and he gave her to that first man as his wife. He is a great giver. He's the one who gives us everything we need in this life. Take away anything he provides and we're done. Sunshine, gotta have it. It heats our world, it makes it inhabitable, and for those of us who like sunshine, it puts a smile on our faces. Take away the rain that comes, and there's nothing but dust. Nothing survives without water, without moisture. It's a gift from God. You can get outside of the physical stuff and you can talk about joy and and sunshine. You can talk about beauty. You can talk about companionship. You can talk about his presence in our lives, his provision, his protection. He watches over us all the time. All of these things are marvelous gifts that he gives that he didn't have to. And if you just start walking your way through the word of God, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he invites us to come and rest in him. In John chapter 1, verse 12, he has given us the right to become his children if we will honor him by believing. In John chapter 3, verse 16, we'll talk about it more in a little bit, but, but in John chapter 3, verse 16, he, he, he explains that he gave his only son so that those who believe in him could have life. But this isn't just talking about physical body. This is talking about eternal life. Eternal. Circle that word, eternal. 
Man, that, that's, this is my rub in the whole conversation. This is the thing that just irks me. It's my ignorance. It's my inability to fully understand and come to grips with the word eternal. I know the definition. I know what it means. I understand the concept. I just can't get my brain wrapped all the way around forever and ever without end. That's beyond my ability. But here's the bottom line. God is offering life without end in his presence, in his glorious dwelling called heaven. And I want to nail something down here this morning. This verse, verse 23, should put to rest the lies of mankind and the lies of the world that would tell you that you have to earn your salvation or you have to work for your salvation or you have to do something to be good enough so that God will give you his salvation. No, 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 no. Look up ahead of you at the wall. Look at what it says. The gift of God. The gift of God. If you need it, you can have more confirmation. Don't don't just lock in right there. You you can go further. Ephesians chapter 2. Y'all ought to be familiar with these verses. Verses 8 and 9. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. It's what? The gift of God. Not by works. Well, that ought to end it and settle it right there, doesn't it? But it doesn't. People still want to hang on to this because we don't believe that God could just give us something so valuable and so important and not require something back of us. No, it's the gift of God, not by works. So you can't boast about it. You can't earn it. If you could earn it, you'd be all puffed up like an old rooster. I'm telling you now, you can't do it. Why? Because it's his gift to you. John understood it. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. Given. It's a gift. Any of y'all ever received a gift? When I was a kid, my favorite time of year was Christmas. Still is one of my favorite times. But I can remember when I was a child... Now, you guys don't get this, okay, but these people will. I remember running to the mailbox after school every day to see if the Sears and J.C. Penney catalogs had come. Because these were the most glorious wish lists that any kid could ever have before Christmas. And back then, Christmas didn't start before Halloween. Christmas usually started about mid-November when those catalogs showed up. Man, and I mean my parents would find those catalogs and I had dog-eared pages down. And I had taken a red ink pen. I didn't want them to get lost in black ink or blue ink. So I got a red ink pen. Got in trouble one year because I stole it off my teacher's desk. But she used it so much on my paper, I thought it was mine anyway. And so I, I, I took that red ink pen and I, I circled the things on those pages that I thought I was deserving of. And I knew that my parents were checking those catalogs because I would do things. I would put things in the catalog that if they were moved, I knew they had been moved. I watched too many spy shows when I was a kid. And so I I was learning all these tricks and I was playing all these tricks. And 
And it get to be about the middle of December. And <coughs> I would have coughs. And I would have sicknesses creep upon me. So my parents, knowing that they had to leave the house, would say, well, you lay there on the couch and you'll get better. Some of y'all know me. When their headlights went down the street, I was taking that house apart. Closet by closet, room by room, even into the attic that scared me to death as a kid. I would go into that dark hole because I knew that somewhere in the far recesses of that attic would lay the hidden treasure. I was looking for the gifts, searching. I found some of them too. I always think of that because most of us are kind of like that. We want to find the gifts. We want to know what's coming. And friends, I want you to understand, I have people all the time saying, where is this gift of God found? Where does one find the gift of God? It's hiding in plain sight. You don't have to crawl through the attic. And you don't have to go into and through every closet. It's right here in the open. Take a, take a look once more at verse 23. Get to the end of it. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Where do we find that gift? In Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, I, I want you to understand it, it's a simple truth and it's found all throughout the Word of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not about what we do, it's about what He has done. It's not about how good we are, it's about how great He is. I told you I was going to talk about it, I'm going to go back to it for a second. John chapter 3, there's an amazing discussion recorded between Jesus and a man by the name of Nicodemus who came to him who was trying to understand the things that Jesus was saying, the things that Jesus was teaching. He, was, he, he wanted to get a grip on this. He wanted to get a hold of it. He wanted to make sense out of it. And, and in that discussion, Jesus told him, he said, look, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the one and only. There is no other. So that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him. I love that word, whoever. That opens the door to anybody. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. How simple. Here's Jesus saying, it's the Son. All the way through, he's revealing himself. You get over to John chapter 14, he's in the upper room with his friends, he, He's preparing himself for what's about to come. The betrayal, the arrest, the trials, the pain, the agony, the, the crucifixion. He's telling them, I'm going away. They're trying to figure out, where are you going? Can we come too? You remember what Jesus told them that day? 
I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. And he endured it all. He went to the cross. He laid down his life. He died, not because he deserved to, but because we deserve to. And he who knew no sin took our sin upon himself when he went to the cross. He paid the price for what I've done in my lifetime and what you've done in your lifetime and what every person who has ever lived will ever do with their lifetime. He paid the price for our sin. He was buried. He rose again. He ascended into heaven to sit by the Father. The Spirit came on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Man, it turned Jerusalem upside down. You get over a few pages further into Acts chapter 4, and there's Peter, and he's been arrested, and he's before the Sanhedrin. That's the high court, the supreme court of Israel. And he's preaching Jesus to them. They didn't want to hear it. didn't matter. He was going to preach Jesus anyway. It's what preachers do. He tells them all about Jesus, and then he comes to this most amazing statement, and he says to them, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus, God's Son. You want to know where to find God's gift? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's not confuse or complicate the issue today, all right? I don't think that that honors God at all. He made it so simple, we ought to work to keep it simple. So let me make it as simple as I can. Salvation, salvation is not about what denomination you might choose to connect with for worship and service and fellowship. Salvation is not about the name of the church you attend or being baptized or giving to missions and ministry or confessing your sins to me or any other man. In fact, God's word says that there is now one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Salvation is about establishing a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father, our Creator God, and that relationship is a gift from Him to us, provided through His Son, Jesus Christ. There is no other way to come into His presence. And I want to know this morning, do you have that relationship? Have you received His gift of eternal life? Have you come to the Father through His Son, Jesus? Man, if you have, you ought to be rejoicing. And you ought to be sharing that with people. If not, you need to be considering very carefully what I'm saying to you. In fact, let's forget about what I'm saying. And let me take you one more place in the Word of God. Because if you want it plain, you want it simple... It gets no plainer and no more simple than what it is in 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. And I want you to focus on these two verses with me for just a moment. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. That's it. There's not any parentheses with additional opportunities or places to search or anything else. It's his son. Now look at verse 12. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. What else can I say? 
do you have that life? Here's the invitation as simply as I can give it to you. Receive the gift that God offers through His Son, Jesus Christ, and you receive life. Reject Christ, and you lose the gift of life forever. What that means is you came in here dead in your sins, and you're going to walk out of here dead in your sins. Unless you come to Jesus, there is no hope, there is no change, and there's not anything anybody else can do about it. Your hope, my hope, our hope, the world's hope is in Jesus Christ. The question is, what are you going to do with him today? Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, we're going to stand together and sing a song of invitation. I, I, can't, I can't explain to you any more simply than what this is. Reject Christ, live in sin. Call your own shots. But the end is death. Separation from God. Living your life dead to the things of God. Or today you can surrender him to him. Surrender your heart. Surrender your life. Surrender your will. Give him control and you can have life. Life eternal, life abundant. And you may be sitting here and you're saying, I agree and I need that and I want to do that, but I'm not going to do anything with all these people around here. Okay, I'm going to make this real simple, all right? In a moment, I'm going to pray, and after I pray, we're going to stand, we're going to sing, and I'm going to invite you, if you will turn loose of where you are, come down here, take me by the hand, say, Pastor, I need that gift. I want that gift. There is inside of me a knowledge. I need that gift. I know I have to have it. You may not fully understand what that means or how that comes about, and we're not going to pressure you or push you, but we're going to explain to you from God's Word how you can become a child of God today. He offers it to you if you'll take it. You may be saying, I do, and I want to, but I'm not walking in front of these people. <laughs> You're not going to get me to come down there. Okay. Okay. Will you talk to him? Will you talk to him? While we sing, will you just talk to God? Will you confess your sin to him? Will you ask him to forgive you? Will you invite him to come into your life and into your heart and make you a new creation today? He'll do it if you call on him. Don't walk away and act as if you never heard. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I ask you now, Father, to take the word that's been spoken. Minister it to our hearts by the working of your Holy Spirit as only you can do. And Father, I pray that if there are those in this room who are lost, who need a relationship with you, that you would convict them of sin, convince them of the Savior, help them to see and understand that this is their only way, this is their only hope, this is the course to life. It's found in Jesus. And Father, for my brothers and sisters who are gathered in this room, who've experienced that gift, who possess it, 
Oh, Father, break our hearts that we would not keep it to ourselves, but we would give it away. Share it with those we come in contact with. Father, only you know what you intend to do in this room, what you long to do in each life. And I pray you'd give us ears in these moments to hear your call and a willingness to surrender. Father, speak and have your way. Do in each heart and each life what brings glory and honor to you. We'll rejoice together in it, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.